Welcome back to the Honest Truth podcast. I am Lizzie. I'm Nicholas. And this episode is all going to be about like social communication and how quarantine isn't just related to the events of today. So uh, Liz is going to bring you an interesting piece of history into this. So Liz, if you want to start with that, that'd be great. Yeah, so um, today we're actually going to be talking about the Dust Bowl. And this was during the 1930s. And during the 1930s, America was already in this huge economic crisis. It was the Great Depression. But now um, down in Texas, up to Nebraska, and parts of Colorado, New Mexico, Kansas, um, farmers, they were experiencing a great drought, the Dust Bowl. Um, it was a decibel area, and this was caused by high temperatures and poor agriculture techniques. And it actually ended up causing um, uh, many crop failures and deaths of hundreds um, of animals, livestock. So now these farmers, they were already in this economic crisis because of the Great Depression. And now they're really only, their only way of making an income was completely destroyed as well. And so the dust bowl, it's just like it sounds. You walk outside and there is just dust all around you. There was a few weeks ago, actually, in um, A-Push, Mr. Boyd, he was showing us a slideshow of the dust bowl. And he showed a few photos and some videos. And this older gentleman, he was talking about, um, he was a boy during the Dust Bowl during the 1930s. And he explained how when he was inside his house and a whole wave of kind of just dust just went over it and it'd be so dark that you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. So it was very traumatizing to him as a young man. But what I think this really shows is how dangerous the environment was. Um, during this time, there was something called the Brown Plague. And this was caused by um, Silicosis and silicosis um, is caused by the breathing in of very fine particles. So the breathing in of sand. And it's actually ended up killing hundreds and hundreds of people, um, especially the elderly. So hundreds of people lost very important family members and they were forced to mainly quarantine inside their house. And they couldn't really go outside unless they had a mask on. So I feel like that this really touches on today because, you know, to be safe, you should wear a mask, stay six feet apart when you're out in public. Um, these, a lot of people have to quarantine if they are exposed to COVID. And also a lot of people have sadly lost um, family members and friends due to COVID-19. That was a great introduction and incorporating the festival into this episode. Um, I like how you talked about how it's similar today because like people had to quarantine themselves, they had to wear masks, like there were illnesses spreading and like out of all the things we can control, disease and viruses, well, that might not have been a virus, but like disease and natural disasters, like that kind of stuff is not always controllable by us. So um, it's all about managing the things we can't control to the best of our abilities. And when we are quarantining from others, um, still finding a way to feel connected and not lonely. Especially since we have like more technology that 
we could stay home like because we can work from home digitally like back in the 1920s and 30s it was really difficult to work from home just because like we didn't have the technology that we did um like we do now yeah that's definitely one thing i thought about while reading over it um is you know because you know they were out in the country they didn't necessarily have homes right next to each other they couldn't just go out and see one another they didn't have you know phones or they didn't have text message or email so it, i feel like back then it probably was a lot more i would say i don't know if i say socially draining but um if people think that they lost all their social skills during you know COVID 19 and like quarantine you probably would have lost everything during this time in the 1930s yeah um relate to what you were just saying um so far COVID has only lasted like a little over a year uh we're out of quarantine now quarantine didn't last a super long time like a few months but it depends on where you are, like what country you're looking at. How long did, compared to COVID? Oh, wow, this two years. Um, so the Dust Bowl actually lasted from right at the beginning of the 1930s to the end. It was about 10 years. It was 10 years long, 10 years. And um, was actually, I guess due to recent research um, and referring to a lot of different articles and journalists and a lot of um, environmental scientists uh, has actually said that it could probably easily happen again. Wow, that's really crazy to think about. Like we all thought we were gonna die when we were quarantined for a few months. I can't imagine like 10 years or being afraid to go outside for 10 years. We were still able to like go in our backyards or like go for a walk with a mask on. I can't even imagine this. Yeah, it's like pretty insane, like especially in the Dust Bowl, especially learning about it and AP US history. It's just like a really devastating event just because it happened during the Great Depression as well. So it's already like a punching bag, but it was already like kicking a horse while it's already down. So I always thought that was like really like the really tragic part of it. And like with the pandemic, like the situation is like we could go outside, like as Lizzie said, um, and communicate with our neighbors just from a distance like we could still communicate and talk to people just based on social distance and quarantine based on modern technology that we have at our disposal disposal like zoom and calling but in the dust bowl they didn't really have that option they didn't have the technology to do so and so a lot of these places were like was set in the country so they had a bunch of what the article said were like one room schools where teachers and students still even struggled with like the dust, but they still managed to sometimes go to school on the days they were able to travel. They did, and I think they maximized those days to the best they could. Well, today we are still able to get our education in. Yeah, and to touch a little bit on that, I think another great thing, just how things have evolved. But um, back then, during the 1930s, um, teens and children, they already had a really hard time being able to attend school because their families relied on them so much, especially when it was time to plan or to harvest. And teenagers, um, high schoolers, they actually often had to quit school just in order to help with, you know, the family, um, the family farm and um, to help their family out financially. 
So I definitely think that's another really great thing, how today, you know, it's a lot easier to get a good education. Yeah, totally. And um, relating to what you just said, and we've also like kind of touched on this a little bit, um, but now we're going to go into the segment of this podcast about like what's going on today and what is quarantine like today? So do you guys want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, so with quarantines today, it's mostly related to the COVID-19 pandemic. And when people get exposed to the virus, either by um, getting sick or even just like being in contact with somebody who had it, then they are put in quarantine, which is what has happened to several students at the school recently with having to stay home or be on Zoom to communicate with their teachers in class just because they either got exposed to the virus or they were in contact with somebody who was having COVID. Yeah, and um, touching on that a little bit more, um, I guess it's a little bit easier for me because I'm remote, so I haven't been exposed to everything that the students that have that are in person at Horizon. But a few months ago, I'd probably say at the beginning of the year, um, my grandma, she got COVID and she actually lives with us. So she had to go into the hospital, but um, my family kind of had to quarantine ourselves for a few weeks and we had to just go in her room and completely sanitize it, you know, bleach a lot of things, uh, wash all her sheets, the bed, you know, make sure that everything was just sanitized because my brother, he has a horrible immune system. And if he were to get COVID, um, it, most likely would just kill him because he wouldn't be able to fight it. So I think, um, you know, quarantine, one of the means of it today is, you know, also, you know, to protect those who you are close to. Yeah, um, I think a good thing that's come out of the technology we have today is being able to stay safe with while connecting to others, um, like how you're able to still go to school remotely and do this podcast with us, but still maintain the fact that your family stays safe. And people back in the 1930s did not have that option with the Dust Bowl. So um, I think that's one thing to look at in this pandemic to be grateful for. And yeah, so I've noticed personally with quarantine that it's made a lot of people less social, like a little bit awkward. Um, A lot of people have forgotten how to talk to people because they were inside in their room surrounded by only their family members for a matter of months. And the other day I was talking to one of my driving instructors about how students do not want to go back to school because they just have gotten used to the fact that they don't like see every like other people other day, every other day. And so I think a good thing with this is like quarantine has made us like less, okay, that's not a good thing, Um, but quarantine has made us less social because of the separation it's caused us. It's made us not been able to talk to people for so long. And now when we're like now with the vaccines, going back to school, going back to what we used to do, it's all a little bit more awkward. And so this whole topic, um, today that we're doing on the podcast is about the social implementations of quarantine. And I think that a lot of people have forgotten how to be social, how to connect with others. 
And I think that's a struggle we're going to face getting fully back to what things were like before. Well, it's like there's increased alienation with like not following like societal standards, specifically relating to what role you're supposed to follow. So I think the pandemic is like messing with that because how are people going to communicate if they can't be able to due to the coronavirus? And if people are only able to contact each other through Zoom, like based through my personal experience, it's like it's pretty difficult to establish a clear line of communication or even get like a proper education relating to online learning from my point of view. It might be different for somebody who actually does enjoy being online, just if it's easier for them. But from my view, it just, it's pretty difficult to stay put for in your house for two weeks and not be able to contact other people. I just think social cues as well. Like people will forget what's what's socially acceptable. So that will be an important look in the future. Yeah, and to, well, maybe to see another point of view, just to add something else. Um, I guess I personally, I, I'm actually surprised, but because of COVID-19 and being quarantined for all those months and not being able to go to school, and although I'm still remote, um, it's actually taught me may sound weird, but a lot of social skills, personally. Um, it's definitely a lot easier for me to talk to people. And I think that's because it showed me how much I really do value people and how much I appreciate people and getting to know new people. Um, it is a little hard, though, when I am in a room with other uh, people who are remote in class, and they've kind of gone the opposite way. And kind of like how you guys were saying, um, it's almost as if, like, I'm not trying to call anyone out, but it's almost as if they've kind of forgotten, gotten, you know, like, like just the basic things to start a conversation. Um, I'll say hello, I'll have my camera on, and they'll have theirs on too. And you can see that they heard me because they react, but they don't say anything back. So I definitely think that um, losing those social skills is far greater than those who would be gaining them. Yeah, like it's different for every person just because like in an AP class, most people will be purely focused on the lesson. So there will be like communication through what topic we're talking about or we'll follow the instructions of the teacher. But like in some classes like math class, there's always like students who are interested in starting a conversation, which that's like difficult to like if you're having a lack of communication it's just it's hard to start a conversation for somebody like me like I have difficulties even like communicating the right idea and I'm kind of like socially awkward (laughs) but it's just interesting just to learn more about myself as well through the pandemic um even though it's like been a tumultuous and actually kind of depressing time for multiple people it's it's kind of taught me how people should be communicating and what we value because like I always like had like a better view of school and contacting other people but for having a long period of time where we didn't have a good amount of communication or proper schooling it just made me miss it and I think that like brought me an early view of adulthood like when we ever talk to our parents it's like oh I miss school or high school and like you're we're confused about 
like, why would you believe that? And I think I can understand why now, because it's just so much more simpler than going to school constantly and then just completing your work instead of growing up and being an adult. Yeah, um, going back to what Liz said earlier about how quarantine has made her like more social and it's helped her social skills. I really appreciate the fact that she said that because it shows how quarantine kind of affects everyone differently and how um, how how different people manage to deal with it can also impact the way they react to it. And so um, that was definitely a positive thing. It has helped some kids. And it with me too, it has helped me realize how much I rely on social, being social and like seeing other people every day. And so I think that was just an interesting thing to bring up how quarantine has kind of like diverse effects on everyone. Okay. I think we're gonna stop it here and then I will less social, like a little bit awkward. Um, a lot of people have forgotten how to talk to people because they were inside in their room surrounded by only their family members for a matter of months. And the other day I was talking to one of my driving instructors about how students do not wanna go back to school because they just have gotten used to the fact that they don't like see every, like other people other day, every other day. And so I think an, a good thing with this is like quarantine has made us like less, okay, that's not a good thing, um, but quarantine has made us less social because of the separation it's caused us. It's made us not been able to talk to people for so long. And now when we're like now with the vaccines, going back to school, going back to what we used to do, it's all a little bit more awkward. And so this whole topic um, today that we're doing on the podcast is about the social implementations of quarantine. And I think that a lot of people have forgotten how to be social, how to connect with others. And I think that's a struggle we're gonna face getting fully back to what things were like before. Well, it's like there's increased alienation with like not following like societal standards, specifically relating to what role you're supposed to follow. So I think the pandemic is like messing with that because how are people going to communicate if they can't be able to due to the coronavirus? And if people are only able to contact each other through Zoom, like based through my personal experience, it's like it's pretty difficult to establish a clear line of communication or even get like a proper education relating to online learning from my point of view. It might be different for somebody who actually does enjoy being online, just if it's easier for them. But from my view, it just it's pretty difficult to stay put for in your house for two weeks and not be able to contact other people. I just think social cues as well. Like people will forget what's the socially acceptable. So that will be an important look in the future. Yeah, maybe to see another point of view, just to add something else. I guess I personally, I, I'm actually surprised, but because of COVID-19 and being quarantined all those months and not being able to go to school, and although I'm still remote, um, it's actually taught me a lot of social skills. Lots of people, and I think it showed me how much I really do value people and how much I 
different for every person just because like in an AP class most people will be purely focused on the lesson so there will be like communication through what topic we're talking about or we'll follow the instructions of the teacher but like in some classes like math class there's always like students who are interested in starting a conversation which that's like difficult to like if you're having a lack of communication it's just it's hard to start a conversation for somebody like me. Like I have difficulties even like communicating the right idea and I'm kind of like socially awkward, <laughs> but it's just interesting just to learn more about myself as well through the pandemic. Um, even though it's like been a tumultuous and actually kind of depressing time for multiple people, it's, it's kind of taught me how people should be communicating and what we value. Cause like, I always like, had like a bitter view of school and contacting other people, but for a, having a long period of time where we didn't have a good amount of communication or proper schooling, it just made me miss it. And I think that like brought me an early view of adulthood. Like when we ever talk to our parents, it's like, oh, I miss school or high school. And like, you're, we're confused about like, why would you believe that? And I think I can understand why now because it's just so much more simpler than going to school constantly and then just completing your work instead of growing up and being an adult. Yeah, um, going back to what Liz said earlier about how quarantine has made her, like, more social and it's helped her social skills. I really appreciate the fact that she said that because it shows how quarantine kind of affects everyone differently and how, um, how, how different people manage to deal with it can also impact the way they react to it. And so um, that was definitely a positive thing. It has helped some kids. And it, with me too, it has helped me realize how much I rely on social, being social and like seeing other people every day. And so I think that was just an interesting thing to bring up how quarantine has kind of like diverse effects on everyone. Okay. All right, so now we're going to go on to the next segment of this episode, which is all about, like, views on quarantine and how they've affected us. And we're specifically going to be talking about Asynchronous Wednesdays. And for this, we have brought in Mr. Lash to do an interview with us. And we decided to interview Mr. Lash or just have a conversation with him about this subject because he was actually on the board. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure of, like, COVID, the COVID board at our school. So he has um, a little bit of advanced knowledge on this topic. So yeah, here's that. Okay, so now we're going to do the conversation segment of this podcast. And we have a guest. 
it's Mr. Lash, who we heard is on the co like COVID committee, right? For yes, I'm on the onward committee. All right. So we're just going to be talking about our views on asynchronous Wednesdays, if they'll continue in the future, um, pretty much why we didn't have them in the past either. So just to start, if you can share this, if you're like allowed to, what's your opinion on asynchronous Wednesdays? Oh, I can totally share my opinion. Um, my opinion is that they have been, from the teacher standpoint, I think they've been a savior for how much planning there's been um, with having with having literally simultaneous instruction, doing both in person and remote. Mm -hmm. and for me, I have not been bored on a Wednesday. <laughs> I've had plenty of stuff to do. Um, the The planning this year for teachers has been excessive. So, um, you know, and and historically Wednesdays, a lot of teachers around here at Horizon and across the district, a lot of us would kind of treat Wednesdays as more or less a full day of school, even though it was only 30 minute periods. Mm -hmm. And probably you guys have probably experienced this where teachers kind of packed in more rather than doing less a lot yeah. of time. So I'm very thankful that we've had this opportunity this year. Yeah, I can agree on the idea of asynchronous Wednesday like that has like helped my scheduling so like I can catch up to other lessons, especially since I'm in four AP classes. It's like easy right. to catch up on um, what work I have to get planned. And then if there's anything else that I want to do or get ahead, then I can do that on Wednesday. Yeah, um, adding on to that, I feel like with asynchronous Wednesdays, not only am I able to like be productive with schoolwork, but also like around the house, like do chores, do my laundry. Like I can actually like cook meals instead of just like bringing snacks like I do at school. Um, I think it allows me to also go at my own pace and not rush Wednesday work at the same time. And at the same time, like, like, like I said, schedule other things in the day. So like other people, I know like a lot of high schoolers have jobs that they work at during the week. They can go to those jobs during the day rather than staying up late at night to like get hours in. Sure. Yeah, I think that brings up the same discussion about how we always focus on like doing the schoolwork and then we go to Wednesday and we only have like 30 minute days. So we don't get that much work completed in class because the teachers still have to prepare the lesson. And so then that cuts in time and then that also causes issues. I think that Wednesday also, like as Lizzie said, provides a lot of like time for working and jobs and contributing to the community. And I think that's a really important part about how we can contribute as the next generation instead of just purely be at the computer doing the next math assignment. So our next question is, what does the administration think of Wednesdays off? Or like, can you answer that? Um, I mean, I, I can't speak for the administration, but I know um, it was it was an acknowledged trade-off for this year that with things being weird and, and with the number of changes that just changing again was not going to be um, sustainable. But but I, I wouldn't talk to that as much, but I but I would definitely say um, I mean I know that I know that teachers have have appreciated it for for this year. But there, there has been a definite, I mean, when you guys are talking about like kids taking off for work and stuff like that, 
you know, that is that is also turned frustratingly sometimes into kids just not doing work. I mean, we are still posting work. Asynchronous means an asynchronous school day. It just means you do school when, you know, when it works for you. The hard part of this and the hard part of this year, guys, I'm sure you can speak to this, has been like, there's been a lot of that kind of time. There's been a lot more uh, need for you guys to be, <laughs> you know, kind of managing yourselves and kind of doing things independently. I think that's been a challenge of this entire year in so many different ways. And so my, my criticism would be, I mean, we, we don't get work in and, and from a teacher standpoint, and it's going down, it's not going up. I feel like more and more kids are just using Wednesday to like go work or do stuff like that. And it's hard for us because it is still a school day. It is still part of the contract day and it's still part of like the minutes that you guys need to be in school. So does that make sense? Yeah. Um, like kind of related to that, mm -hmm. why do you think there was never like asynchronous Wednesdays in the past? Or like I know a bunch of schools have like like not necessarily no school, like mm -hmm. on one day a week, like Fridays or Mondays, they just do asynchronous work. Like what made or also like you could talk about what we could do in the future too, what sure. you think future plans are. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, there's I mean, there's never been asynchronous ever. <laughs> because this is this this year has raised this possibility. I mean, this was just not even anything that we entertained before this year. And so talk about a year that we've been building the plane while it's in the air. Um, that has been this year. Um, so so Wednesdays historically have been just a normal school day, but they're a little bit shorter because teachers need time to collaborate and plan. Uh, we need time to do our meetings and stuff like that. So it's just, it's worked in that way. It's a really big difference. My my own son goes to Brighton 27 J, so I actually know the 27 J situation really well. The difference of a four-day school week is actually, there is no difference in time. Uh, Riverdale Ridge, where my son goes, they're in school the same amount of time you guys are. They just do it over four days versus five. So my son doesn't come home from school until like after 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, it's a much longer school day. So they basically build five days into a four-day plan. They did that for money-saving purposes. That really had all to do with the Brighton School District not getting bond issues that they needed to continue funding. And so they they basically save, from what I've heard, somewhere upwards in the, in the area of about a million dollars almost every time they close the schools down like they do. And their schools are closed. Mondays, nobody shows up. Nobody does mm -hmm. anything. Um, they are only running four days a week. Does that make sense? Yeah. That, so it really is a big difference. I mean, mm -hmm. as far as like asynchronous, the way that we're doing it, we still are in school. That's taking, we're still assuming that as being part of your guys' time. Mm -hmm. So like a question following up that is, I think you might have brought this up, but like how do teachers still do plannings and meetings? Like, cause that was always like a time on Wednesday. So how do they do that on asynchronous Wednesday? Do they still have mm -hmm. Zoom meetings over Wednesday? Yeah, we still meet, our, our meetings start at 1.30 in the afternoon and go until 3.30. Most teachers are meeting much more often than that. I know for my own part, I'm kind of on and in, in different meetings with my partners or whatever, kind of all throughout the day we jump in and crash each other's personal office hours and stuff like that too. So it's actually, I think we, I think we plan more as a result, but again, it's been a hard year. I mean, we're just not, we're, I think we've been very much in survival mode this whole year. And I think you guys have too. I want to, I want to like reach out and say, I, I feel like you guys have had, you guys as students, all of you as students 
and and not to get critical on the drop in Wednesday production, I think people are just burned out this year. And so I think a lot of people are looking at Wednesday as just a needed rest or respite from what has just been a hard year, guys, just a hard year all the way around. Yeah, and like related to the office hours, I've noticed like with my classes last year, we had, um, what was it called? Intervention. And I've noticed like, say like, I'll go to intervention or academic help now for like AP World. And the amount of people that used to be there last year, I feel like was a lot greater than the amount of people this year, especially just because it's like, I feel like students feel like it's less accessible because like you're not at school face to face with the teacher. Um, So do you think that is like impacted like students and their understanding in your classes? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think a lot has affected, you know, we just, you guys are here in person. I mean, look at the, just the way we're doing this right now. The way we're doing everything is different. I can't have kids just push into groups of four for mm-hmm. a couple minutes to like talk about a concept like I used to. I mean, that's a major, <laughs> that's a huge undertaking now, just getting kids to group in basic ways. So I think I'm kind of answering your question in kind of a roundabout way, but yeah, I, I feel like I feel like in general, a lot of kids are just feeling isolated and feeling like they're doing it on their own. And I think a lot of kids are just kind of like, okay, it just is what it is. I'm just going to do what I can. I'm going to do what I can on the AP test. I'm going to do what I can here and there. I, I speak for my own, but I, I'm pretty sure I speak for a lot of teachers. I think grades have gone down some this year. And I think, and I think that that's a part of this as well. Don't like quote me as knowing that for sure, but it's just my suspicion. I know that I've had a lot of that struggle in my own classes. So just performance overall, I think yeah. has been, has been, you know, and, and it goes back to the, the thing that you guys said to begin with. I mean, I do think that the kids attention when we're not in just a traditional classroom, sitting in a classroom, 52 minutes, whatever, like being there, I, I do think that all of these changes have kind of pulled kids a little away from like academics feeling like central to who they are and what they are at this stage in their life. Because just like any kid who works or anything like that, I mean, I always say your first job is school right now. No question. I mean, if any kind of a job or anything that you're doing is getting in the way of your education, then we got to talk because first and foremost, you guys are like state, you know, you're, you're like required by law to be attending school, getting your education. So to me, if, if those are coming into conflict because of changes, then that to me feels like a bigger issue that we are going to have to hammer out down the road. And it almost feels like we lost a little something through mm-hmm. this year. Um, do you have any more questions? Um, I think we touched on this a little bit, but like seeing your views and like you probably share are like similar views as the other staff members at our school and the administration. Do you think like, will continue asynchronous Wednesdays in the future if COVID wasn't an option? Because I know students and staff like it for their personal needs, but is it like really the best option for us, you know? Great question. I, this is, I mean, this is just taking a guess. Mm -hmm. My guess is that it would not continue. I really feel like through this last change that happened at the end of January, when we, you know, came back fully in person, I think there was an acknowledgement that all of a sudden we're going into like basically full classes, but then we all, we all pretty much all teachers still have some kids remote, 
I mean, especially like you guys are knowing like this week, I know in your own class here, there's like more kids out on quarantine and stuff. So there was just a known need that we needed to be flexible this year and that we just needed to approach this with some grace. Um, down the road, I, I seriously doubt it. And, and, and we're really looking at like the, the last that I saw was that the remote offering in the district is going to be pretty much like a, a fully separate entity wow. that if you know when they've been asking you guys as kids do you want to go remote next year that's going to essentially mean my understanding is that you'll still be a horizon student in name you could still mm -hmm. participate in sports and stuff here but but you're essentially going to be approaching a totally different school yeah like going to a totally different mm -hmm. place mixed with kids from all across the district in similar classes that's looking like the only way they're going to make that run mm -hmm. so so that what that tells me is it feels like we're going to be really moving the remote space into a totally different situation. And we're going to be largely going back the way it was. Wow, okay. um, I think that we're definitely going to be moving back toward what, what it was more familiar beforehand. Have we learned things along the way? Have we learned that some things can be done remotely? Have we learned different ways that we can use technology? Most definitely. We also have the benefit that you guys are now going to have one-on-one -on -one, uh, devices. We never had that before. I mean, yeah. if you guys remember two years ago, you were here. Um, that we always had to have the Chromebook cards or whatever in lots of classes and not everyone had access to technology every day. Now it's looking like moving forward, kids are going to all have a device. Yeah. So there's very possibly ways that we'll like bring in some of that, some of that asynchronous or some mm -hmm. of that work. But I, I think overall, the, <laughs> the, the reviews back are learning is a collaborative and a cooperative mm -hmm. task in general. And no matter what we bring in, I mean, this is kind of my closing thought on this, I guess, is just no matter what we try and change, we've, we've tried this. We've done these like massively online college courses. This is not the first time we've tried technology in education. It comes back every single time. What works best in education is person to person, people, you know, teachers being able to like immediately meet the needs of students who are right in front of them. Which is not to say, this is not to like say that remote is not a good option. It doesn't work. But for, for us in a traditional setting, I think there's largely going to be us returning to that in, in the vast majority of us. Does that make sense? I guess yeah. I, I feel, I feel kind of like, I mean, my, my wife has been an all remote teacher this year mm -hmm. and she has been astoundingly successful with that. Yeah. I think a lot of teachers have. So it's like, mm -hmm. I'm certainly not trying to like take away from remote learning or something like that. But I do think that just for traditional public schools and stuff like that, the, the vast majority of us are going to go back to more or less something like what it was. I, I don't envision asynchronous being something that we do. Um, I will make you happy with one thing. On that note, I think that in addition to that, that's even going to count for like snow days and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's been a big worry about kids. Like, like, yeah. Are, does this mean snow days are a thing of the past? Mm -hmm. I actually, I my understanding from conversations that we've had in the onward committee is, no, snow days are going to still be snow days. Yeah. You know, if there's a day, if there's a reason the kids can't come to school, generally we would probably just call those days off. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you about how learning is like collaborative like my friends are like I don't want to go to school tomorrow I don't want to see other people because that's like what this podcast is about like the social implementations of like COVID and having to be quarantined from other people but like personally for me I like going to school I like seeing other people I like being social so I think 
obviously safety is a top priority, but when we're allowed to be safe and be around others, we need to like maximize those opportunities. Yeah, I think like the lesson is like, I can understand like the demotivation part. Like I've been like pretty demotivated, like especially in the second semester, I just like been exhausted. So I've like moved on, but like I'm, it's getting near the AP test. So I have to be motivated to do well mm-hmm. on those tests. Um, but I, yeah, I think it is a collaborative project and education. Of them coming up? Yeah, I do have four. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Like I did that with the context of, oh, there's not going to be some massive pandemic in a month. And then when I finished the papers, then the pandemic happened. And I'm like, oh, what? You literally registered right before this all happened. Yeah. But <laughs> like, I would not have done AP biology if if it was um, COVID. Yeah. I don't know. For sure. Yeah, I think, you know, I appreciate you guys saying that. And and th- I think those are some of the ways that I'm like kind of anxious for things to get back in some way. It's, it's not to say that we can't learn from these experiences. I, I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. I think most teachers are. I want to say that we can learn from this and that maybe there are some things. I mean, certainly, does every single meeting have to be in person? Does every single thing? We've been talking about that in our association. Like, we used to, like, dutifully drive down to our main office and meet for two hours, three or four times a month. Do those all have to happen? I think a lot of this stuff is going to start to go remote in some ways. I think Zoom is still going to be a part of our life. We have learned that it works in some places. But just generally, on a day-to-day basis for school, the chance of me making sure that my class is with me to make sure that, like, when we all are going to have a chance to chat, we move into groups. You guys have been in Zoom breakout groups. I think I think I'm not speaking any any um, anything inaccurate and in saying that they they tend to not be very interactive. They mm-hmm. tend to not really meet the objectives that teachers are setting out for those. Yeah. We're not putting you guys into groups for you to sit awkwardly silent for a few minutes, and yet that's what seems to happen a lot of the times. So right, like you know, there's there's things we'll learn, and there's things that we'll go back to happily. Right. And then and then other than that, you know, we'll we'll hopefully get better. And I mean, to me, I always want to see our schools. I always want to see us serve students better. I always want to see students feel like what they're doing is meaningful. I'm just going to say like huge props to what you guys are doing right here. Talk about like doing stuff in the real world, like working with technology and putting together a podcast. This is the kind of stuff that I want to see you guys using your time and energy with. So props to you guys. I appreciate having been here today. Well, we totally appreciate you being here. We're so grateful that you were able to talk to us about this. Um, it's such an interesting topic to talk about, and it's obviously current. So, yeah, thank you so much for coming and talking with us. Yeah, thank you so much. It's my pleasure, you guys. I wish you the best, and I wish I wish our school the best for the future. Thanks a lot. So now we'll just be talking a little bit more specifically about our opinions on Asynchronous Wednesdays. So my point of view on Asynchronous Wednesday is that it gives me more time to like study as well, but also like during the interview with Mr. Lash that I thought was important is like teachers are also seeing a significant decrease in people turning in assignments. And efficiency. And like decreasing efficiency. And I just thought that was important because like asynchronous means that you still should be doing school. It shouldn't be just like a day off. Like you're still going to complete the work. So Will some students complete the work? Yes, but there's always going to be a lot of other students who aren't going to complete it. Yeah, like continuing with what Nick just said, um, I know all of us do our work there on this podcast, but 
there are a lot of kids who I enjoy um, asynchronous Wednesdays because I can go at my own pace like Liz was talking about. But there are a lot of kids who enjoy asynchronous Wednesdays for a different reason, and that is because they aren't at school, so no one can force them to sit there on a computer and do the work. So that's mostly reflected in their grades as well. So I think one like difference you can notice with asynchronous Wednesdays, like Nick said, is the lack in efficiency and a lack of interest in the content because students are not learning it as much as they used to be, and also um, a lack in the amount of material teachers can get through in a year because I was talking or my English teacher was talking to us the other day about how she usually does PSAT prep every Wednesdays. But this year with the um, like week delay because of COVID and also asynchronous Wednesdays, she doesn't have that time anymore to say, okay, go practice for the PSATs because with a, a ton of things being online, there's just like an automatic um, like slowing down because of the technology issues and stuff. So... That's another issue that's come up with quarantine. I think one of the questions that a lot of people ask is, like, should we even have school on Wednesday um, in general? Like, should we be going to school for four hours? Like, this is an argument for asynchronous Wednesday. Or maybe just not even asynchronous, just a day off on Wednesdays because Bryan School Districts and other school districts around in Colorado locally, they don't do school on Monday, but they do have longer hours on the week, other days, so Tuesday through Friday. So how what would that mean for a lot of students? I, I don't know specifically, but would people take the opportunity to have Wednesday off and then those four hours are just cut off in between sections of each day of the week? So, like, there will be an additional hour on Monday, just, like, four days a week. Yeah, I relate to what Nick just said um, in the interview with Mr. Lash. To also recap, uh, he discussed how because of the lack of efficiency and lack of material due to these asynchronous Wednesdays, it's not likely that they are going conti- to continue past this year or next year when the pandemic is lessened down because... At the end of the day, we do need to be going to school on Wednesdays to get that in-person learning, to get that help with teachers that students don't take advantage of when they're at home. So that's just one difference to note. Yeah, for sure. Um, Like earlier in this podcast, we were talking about how we can be grateful today for the availability of technology to us because back in the times of the Dust Bowl, students weren't always able to have access to education because they didn't have this technology, this modern technology. But an issue that has started to arise in every single class of ours that each of us have noticed personally is this availability to technology has also allowed for um, a lot of academic dishonesty and a bunch of people not being truthful about their work and just going straight to Google. So I think that's just been a huge difference in the way kids are learning today with quarantine is are they really learning when they're asking the internet all the answers because at the end of the day google doesn't give them all the right answers and they're still doing bad in the class and since they don't know the material to learn even to like grow and advance their learning they don't know the basic knowledge that they looked up months ago how are they gonna 
improve in the class if they don't even know what they're talking about, you well, know? Well, it's like the idea of cheating has always been pretty difficult for, like, it, it was always used to be difficult, like, in the 80s, because, like, it was just a paper test, so the teacher just had to walk around, and if they saw something suspicious, they'd be like, they're definitely cheating. And over time, with the advancements of technology, I don't think schools have really caught up to cheating specifically related to online learning and tests or just locking the browser. Like, there's multiple um, circumstances that would involve not being honest in school. Like, there was always that sense of technology, like, because the phone, like, even years before, like, people could just look at their phone and then Google it, maybe secretly in class, of the answer that they needed. But it, w it was still... It, like, for those people, like, it wasn't that difficult to back then, but, like, the pandemic just exacerbated that. And also, I feel like the pandemic, like, the cheating would increase the grades for some people, most likely. But honestly, like, over, like, the activities of the pandemic, like, people would still, even if they cheated, I don't think they would be having to get a grade. Because, like, it's harder to cheat on the exams, especially an open-ended exam. Yeah, for sure. So do you guys have any other thoughts about Asynchronous Wednesdays before we wrap this little part up? Well, I just wanted to bring up, like, the cheating topic again. It's, like, it's easier to cheat on, like, those mini-tests or mini-quizzes, but, like, on the national exams and, like, the SAT, like, if you cheat on those, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. And also, it's just, like, more difficult to do that in general on a paper test like the SAT. So it's, like... It doesn't improve you academically at all. Like, sure, it will help your temporary grade, but once it's, like, time to do an exam or an essay, it's just not going to benefit you when you have to retain that information. Exactly. Um, and you talked about SATs and national tests. I know right now with College Board, they've hired a bunch of people like they do every year, but I'm sure they've hired even more people this year to basically be, like, investigators of cheating for these worldwide international tests, like for my AP World History class, for the students who are taking the test online, they have the software that they're installing on all the um, computers that prevents them from cheating. And they also have a bunch of people like tracking down things students say on the internet uh, to make sure that they cannot cheat or use each other for answers. So. That's just another way they're preventing cheating this year. So now I, I guess we could turn this discussion about asynchronous Wednesdays and online learning back to the topic of quarantining and how quarantine has impacted us, how we think it's going right now versus how it was during the Dust Bowl versus how it was just a few months ago and what we think quarantine will look like looking to the future. I feel like it will tame down over time, just the development of vaccines and other situations. Like, COVID will maybe still be among us, like, but I don't think years after years that people will start to, like, take it as seriously. I know some states are getting rid of their mask mandates and others are keep keeping them because you could still spread COVID and contract it with the virus. So, but it's just, like, a matter of time before we see what happens with that. But also, like, like I was saying earlier with the social implementations of quarantine, 
I think there's going to be two sides of it. The side of, like that Liz shared where it's helped her social skills and it's made her really um, like flourish in terms of being social because it's like finding ways to be social even when it's hard, even when it's through a screen. So that could definitely help people learn how to become more social because you've never had to talk to someone through Zoom before until now. So that could have helped you with improving those skills. But female other kids, maybe that's all they know, like talking talking to kids through Snapchat or FaceTime or something, or they're more comfortable through a screen, or they just think that because they're at home on a screen, they don't have to talk to anyone. So that's where it's made people a little bit more socially awkward and made kids lack when it comes to being social with others. Um, yeah, I think... What concerns me about the future, especially related to youth, is, like, our generation and even millennials, like, we look at our phones all the time. I'm just, like, concerned that the amount of technology that these people will be consuming, like, they'll just get a dependency on it. And it's, like, it's addictive to look at your phone. It's just, like, it gets those dopamine levels up there when you see, like, a like on your Instagram or... um thread on Twitter. I think that there needs to be like a dependency from that and that's what concerns me the most. As also like there needs to be a solution with COVID because I don't think I don't think it's healthy for society to be like living in fear all the time. I think like taking proper precautions with COVID is especially important like wearing a mask and staying socially distant. Like those are important, but I just don't want people to be so concerned that they think they're all going to die and just be dramatic about it. Yeah, from what I'm seeing, and this might sound doomerish, like you don't really want a doomer in your life, but I think we're seeing a repeat of the Roaring Twenties, to be honest, with US, AP U.S. history. I think we're going to see such a dramatic increase in consumerism after coronavirus because people will be more comfortable with going out to public and Las Vegas will be crazy with all the venues. But also, I feel like that's going to just cause a shroud of materialism in American society, which I just think that's incredibly damaging to the culture, like this displaying what we have. Or I have the newest iPhone, I have the newest this, it's it should be more concerned about how you're helping other people and how you're communicating with other people rather than what socioeconomic level you're at or what brand of car you have. Like if you have a Louis Vuitton purse or like a purse you just bought from the mall. Like there's multiple circumstances where I'm just, I'm really concerned about how people are going to be more divided among wealth or how people are going to be more materialistic and I could see an economic crash in like the next 10 to 20 years when we're in the middle of our adulthood. Yeah, I think what you just said is really interesting how you connected like our, interac- our interactions among each other and relating it to like socioeconomics and how quarantine is really going to impact the way we buy things. I noticed that a lot of people were starting to buy like athletic equipment and technology equipment during COVID through like Amazon and stuff because they couldn't go outside and do their normal activities. All the bikes were sold out at your local athletic store. So yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, Another thing 
is, like, relating back to what Liz said about her nine-year-old, I think it was her cousin, um, I think that the social impacts are definitely going to be for the younger generations, like, not just, like, upwards of Generation Z, like, us high schoolers, but more, like, elementary and middle school levels because those kids are at the prime time when they're learning a bunch of their social skills, you know? So they haven't developed a good background in communicating with others. So if this is all they've known social-wise, that's definitely not going to help anyone. All right. Well, I think we've got all our thoughts down about social life. So, Lizzie, do you want to conclude the podcast? Yeah. So at the beginning, we introduced a topic about social impacts of quarantine and how that's related not only to now with COVID-19, but also during the 1930s with the Dust Bowl and how people had to stay inside because of the issues with the dust surrounding their climates. And so people were forced to kind of like socially distance from others and face less interaction than they did on a normal daily basis prior to that. And we're seeing something similar today with COVID-19. So I definitely think we can see some good impacts of COVID, like positive social impacts, like Liz was describing, and negative ones, like she was also describing. So, yeah, do you guys have anything to add? I don't really have anything to add. I just hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. Yeah. So we also hope you enjoyed our uh, conversation with Mr. Lash and Lash, and you learned a little bit from it. So that was the second episode of The Honest Truth. I'm Lizzie. I'm Nick. All right. See you guys. Bye.